Україна моя рідна, це моя земля. Тут родилися на світ батько, мати я. А Карпати рідна хата, смерковий край. Українську нашу пісню грай, музико грай. Люди щирі, люди, ми одна сім'я А у нас вітер, вільний вітер А у нас море, чорне море А у нас квіти, сонця квіти Вічна ця земля Ми усі одна родина Доля жила І від батька, і до сина Силу козака І від матері, і доні Вірність і красу Люди щирі, люди, ми одна сім'я А у нас вітер, вільний вітер А у нас море, чорне море А у нас квіти, сонця квіти Вічна ця земля Люди щирі люди, ми одна сім'я. А у нас вітер, вільний вітер, а у нас море, чорне море. А у нас квіти, сонця квіти, вічна ця земля. And a new release by Andriy Knyaz from Ukraine, Blue Sky, Yellow Field. And that, of course, describes the beautiful Ukrainian flag, blue skies over golden yellow fields of grain. Dobry večer i vitaju vas vsih dorihi radio suhači na radio programu Naš Holos, radio Ukrinskoho Korinja, kotra podjeti vam na bohatomovni radio stanci AM 1320 CHMB u misliju Vancouveri. Pri mikrofoni Pavlina, djakuju što rišale prebuti zimnoju na stupnu hodenu. Hello there and welcome to Naš Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver. I'm your host Pavlina. Thank you so much for joining me. On today's show, part two of the interview with Regina Gershman and uh, her book, Rebecca's Journey, Memoir of a Young Girl Fleeing Anti-Semitism. And of course, our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest and plenty of great Ukrainian music. And coming up next, and coming up next is another new release. And this is This was performed by volunteers and the Piryatin City Council in the Poltava region of Ukraine, and it is the traditional version of the pretty much most uh, popular and well-known Ukrainian folk song today, Oy Uluzi Chervona Kalena. Славну Україну, гей, гей, 
вітер широких степів. Та й прославить по всій Україні наших козаків. А ми тую українську славу збережемо, а ми нашу славну Україну розвеселимо. Ukraine is under deadly attack, and Ukraine War Amps is asking for your help with a tax-deductible donation today. Funds are desperately needed by Ukrainian defenders for bulletproof jackets, helmets, walkie-talkies, food, water and gas, and by civilians, including children, for food, water and medications and, when possible, escape to safety. Please donate today to Ukraine War Amps via PayPal, e-transfer to ukrainewaramps at gmail.com or visit ukrainewaramps.ca. Thanks to the foresight and generosity of its donors, the Shevchenko Foundation has been investing in the future of the Ukrainian-Canadian community for over 50 years. Since 1963, the Shevchenko Foundation has been funding initiatives that strengthen our Ukrainian-Canadian identity and enhance our Ukrainian-Canadian cultural heritage. These include fine and performing arts and arts groups, museums, cultural centers, education, as well as authors, journalists, and the Ukrainian-Canadian media, including this program. The Foundation strives to become the premier not-for-profit foundation in a Canada which acknowledges the Ukrainian-Canadian community as a fundamental component of Canadian society. Nash Hollis listeners are encouraged to support this vision through continued donations into the future. To apply for grants, make a donation, or for more information, visit ShochenkoFoundation.com. Bask in the mastery of violin virtuoso Vassel Popaduk and his band Papaduk with special guests Elena Bondareva, Boris Sikon, and the Dobush Dancers at the Children of Ukraine Benefit Concert Tuesday, May 17th at 7.30 p.m. at the Orpheum Theatre in Vancouver. All proceeds to support the Children of Ukraine through donations to orphanages in Sume. Tickets available through Ticketmaster. That's the Children of Ukraine Benefit Tuesday, May 17th, 7.30 p.m. at the Orpheum Theatre.
and that is the virtuoso himself, Vasil Popajuk, who will be performing in Vancouver at the Benefit for Ukrainian Children at the Orpheum Theatre on Tuesday. And that song is from his album called Ablaze, and the song was Tram Tram. shelter for my children say goodbye to their dad now we take up weapons we've never held before to defend our country from brutal needless war we fight for our freedom our future and our name if you stand for peace please stand with ukraine As we lay down on april 8th andriana nap a ukrainian-american singer whose music has often been featured here on nash holis released a brand new song on youtube it is called stand with ukraine and she kindly reached out to us, offering us the song to share with listeners. And so I responded back to her and asked her if she would tell us the story of the song. Well, I think as we all watch these horrible scenes in Ukraine on the news, it's just so hard to imagine that this is happening today in Ukraine. These are the kind of things that my grandparents would tell me about, you know, people of their generation during World War II who witnessed these atrocities, people being brutally murdered, tortured for no reason at all. The separation of family members, uh, not knowing if your loved one will survive. And of course, losing your loved ones. And when you see the grief, the agony in the people's faces as they mourn their loved ones, it just breaks my heart, as I'm sure it does for all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this it's not a very long song. It's only just over two minutes. And I, I, I guess you must have just sat down and composed the lyrics and the music, and you're joined by some beautiful harmony. Is it a family member? It's actually me singing the harmony oh, on another track. Okay. Because I, I wanted to, uh, you know, have the song out quickly, and so I did that. But ideally, it would be great to, you know, someday have it recorded with a choir behind me, or even if other people wanted to. Yeah. record their own versions, you know, just to stand with Ukraine and, and not only supporting them financially, but to recognize these awful attacks as war crimes. Yeah. And for the people there to know that we see that and that something has to be done about that. Yeah, and I, th- I think it's important, the whole whole concept of stand with Ukraine, I think it's important that um, well, people in Ukraine, but also people here understand that uh, there is anti-Ukraine propaganda. Yeah. You know, and it's, I don't know if it's out of, out of ignorance, out of malice, or both, but uh, regardless, it's there and it, it hurts. It sure does. It sure does. I know. Yeah, I actually had an acquaintance send me uh, something about Putin and saying, well, he actually has some truth to what he says and, you know, and some other conspiracy theory type of videos. And yeah, it is absolutely painful and horrible to think that people here in in, uh, the United States where I am, you know, could believe that with all the access we have to the the news here. Yeah. And not just news, but firsthand accounts. I mean, you know, here in Canada, we've Mm. had, you know, almost a million and a half people of Ukrainian descent. And, you know, many of them are, you know, third, fourth, fifth, sixth generation already. But, you know, within that, that considerable demographic, and you consider proportional to our population, which is a 10th of yours in the States, it, uh, it's, Pretty much everybody knows somebody who's Ukrainian and, and you know, has some Ukrainian roots. And in, within that circle, somebody knows somebody in Ukraine and can get this information. Right. And yet there's, you know, somebody says, well, you know, Putin has a point. Well, it doesn't matter how what kind of a point he has about anything. There is no point that justifies bombing civilians for any reason. Yeah. You don't bomb civilians and you don't send your troops in to, to deliberately terrorize families, children. And it, yeah, yes, exactly. Uh, I've seen right. I've seen footage uh, from people in Ukraine. You know, just 
people that were on the street that used to be photographers or journalists, and now they're shooting the footage of people just innocently walking down the street or driving in their car, uh, riding their bicycle, and just getting shot. Yeah, yeah, and so right. There's absolutely nothing that justifies it. No, and and the and the reports, the firsthand accounts of of rapes and torture, and just cold blooded murder, and to have yeah. to have you know have people say, oh well, that's not true, or Putin has a point, or whatever is is, uh, really, can you just have some compassion? And your song really speaks to that, Andriana. It's it's touching, it's moving, and um, thank you for. Thank you for recording it, and just honored that you reached out and um, and would like Nosh Hollis listeners to to hear it, and also to support Ukraine. You have you wrote this this song specifically as a, an appeal for charity. Yes, there are several charities that I've been working with. Uh, the International Rescue Committee, and if you go to rescue.org, you can find a place to help there specifically for the war relief mm-hmm. and an American-based charity, Hope for Ukraine, is another one that I've been working with. So yes, this was my small way of just reminding people that they still need support there mm-hmm. and really thankful for you for sharing it. Well, thank you so much again. And um, it was um, a pleasure speaking with you. Uh, continue with the good work that you're doing. And um, well, definitely, I'll put the links to to those charities, in particular for American listeners. Um, I would imagine there would be a tax deduction for the charity, which which is helpful. That means people can give a little bit more when when that happens. So, yeah. so we've got uh, hopeforukraine.net, rescue.org. I don't know if you're familiar with rememberus.org. That's another American based um, somewhere somewhere close to you, as well. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and if there's any other Canadian organization that you would like to tell people about, that'd be great too. Yeah, yeah. Well, in, in particular, there's Ukraine War Amps in Toronto, which does incredible work. Um, they support uh, the defenders, the army, as well as civilians, the families of of the the warriors, and also Maple Hope Foundation on the west coast, um, based in Vancouver, which is reputable and very quick in converting your donations into to aid for the victims of war in Ukraine. Andriana, thank you so much for speaking with us today and for producing the lovely music that you produce, in particular this most recent song, Stand with Ukraine. Thank you, Paulette. Slava Ukraini. Heroin Slava. My home is on fire I pack up my bag Find shelter for my children Say goodbye to their dad Now we take up weapons We've never held before To defend our country From brutal, needless war We fight for our freedom Our future and our name If you stand for peace Please stand with Ukraine As we lay down our lives For our beloved land The cry of our ancestors Echoes once again Our spirit won't be Glory to Ukraine, glory to the heroes, our voices will remain.
Дорогі українські народи, браття і сестри, рідні моєму серцю українські воїни, і всі ви, браття і сестри, хто разом з нами боронить нашу священну матір Україну. Весь світ дивиться на нас, на те, як ми згуртувалися, як ми не боїмося, як ми разом, кожен на своєму місці, даємо відсіч кремлівській орді. Путін, ти, курва, заплатиш нам за все, за материнські сльози, за кожного вбитого і замордованого українського солдата, за кожен порушений сон наших дітей, за кожну пережиту світом мить війни. У тебе нічого не вийде, ми вже вас перемогли. Ви всі тут здохнете, ми не здамося і не зламаємося, ніколи. Ми будемо вас вбивати з такою лютю кожного по декілька разів. І навіть якщо комусь з вас вдасться врятуватися, знайте, рано чи пізно ми всіх вас знайдемо і знищимо. Русські солдати і офіцери, у вас ще є шанс спасти свою честь. Здавайтесь в плен, спасіть ваші душі. Слава Україні! Перемога буде за нами! Смерть рашистським окупантам! Любі мої діти! Мила мамо і тату, я йду на війноньку нашу землю захищати. Не плачте за мною, якщо в полі згину, це віта за любоненьку нашу Україну. Єднаємося, браття, цю лиху годину. Нехай ворог знає, ми за Україну. Богу душу нашу віддамо єдину, За нашу землю священну Україну. Богу душу нашу віддамо єдину, За нашу землю священну.
And that was Bracia Ukrinci, which has become the anthem of the defense of Ukraine. It translates as Brothers Ukrainians, and it was performed by Volva Hazer and the orchestras of law enforcement agencies of the armed forces of Ukraine. And coming up next, a little triumph of Ukraine in this horrible war. A song is called Bayraktar, and that is the name of the Turkish drones, which are causing a lot of damage to the Russian military invading Ukraine. Прийшли окупанти до нас в Україну, форма новенька, воєнні машини, та трохи поплавився їх інвентар. Байрактар. Байрактар. Російські танкісти сховались в кущі, щоб лаптопи сорбати довбані щі, та трохи у щах перегрівся навар. Байрактар. Байрактар Зі сходу припхались до нас барани Для восстановления великой страны Найкращий пастух баранячий хотар Байрактар Байрактар Доводи всяке озброєння, різне ракети, потужні машини залізні У нас на всі доводи є коментар Байрактар Байрактар Вони захопити хотіли нас зразу І ми зачаїли на орків образу З бандитів російських робить примар Байрактар Російська поліція справи заводить На вбивцю расистів ніяк не знаходить Хто ж винен, що в нашому полі глухар Байрактар Байрактар Веде пропаганду кремлівський урод Слова пропаганди ковтає народ Тепер нове слово знає їх цар in the mastery of violin virtuoso Vasil Papaduk and his band Papaduk with special guests Elena Bondareva, Boris Sikon and the Dobush Dancers at the Children of Ukraine Benefit Concert Tuesday, May 17th at 7.30pm at the Orpheum Theatre in Vancouver. All proceeds to support the Children of Ukraine through donations to orphanages in Sume. Tickets available through Ticketmaster. That's the Children of Ukraine Benefit Tuesday, May 17th, 7.30pm at the Orpheum Theatre. This is CHMB, AM 1320, Vancouver. And now, Ukrainian Jewish Heritage on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. Discovering unknown and untold stories from the past and present of Ukraine's rich Jewish heritage. Regina Gershman is an author, playwright, educator, and counselor who lives in Ottawa, where she's helping refugees to resettle and start new lives in Canada. Regina was born in Kiev when it was still part of the Soviet Union. In 1974, she fled to Canada with her family, leaving the rest of her close family back in Ukraine. As a young girl in Soviet Ukraine, Regina fought hard for her identity and Jewish faith in schools and a society in which atheism was the only accepted religious view. She's had three books published, the most recent titled Rebecca's Journey, Memoir of a Young Girl Fleeing Anti-Semitism. Last week, in part one of our interview, Regina shared with us the story of her life in Kiev, then part of the USSR, and her family's immigration to Canada when she was 10 years old. The family settled in Edmonton. 
We ended part one of our interview with Regina's recollections of adjusting to life in her new country of Canada. She continues. And again, there was a lot of discrimination because, again, new people coming mm-hmm. in, new cultures. So in school, it wasn't so bad as in Russian school. But, but still, because I went into grade five, and I felt there was a discrimination. There was a, a language barrier, of course, but the kids, when they see you look different, you dress different, you act different, and you speak different. So, of course, that's where uh, the discrimination and the fighting starts. And at that time, there was no such thing as uh, no fighting allowed. I mean, maybe they, it was still um, encouraged, you know, you, you uh, solve your problems through fighting yeah. at that time. Again, we're talking about 1970. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but yes, I felt a lot. Even my little brother who came to Canada when he was three years old, he also felt it. And his English was perfect, but he still went through this a little bit of harassment. But I went through a lot of harassment in Canada, in yeah. Edmonton. So, because I spoke funny, I spoke with an accent, I dressed funny. And in the, I, yeah, in the 70s, I remember, yeah, I wanted nothing to do with my Ukrainian heritage back then. I did, in one way, but in secret. But when I was out in the world with, you know, other people and other situations, I didn't, I wanted to marry somebody but they didn't have a Ukrainian name. I wanted nothing to do with that, even in the 70s. And then you came and uh, you came into that kind of a environment and then you came and put it basically in our faces. <laughs> and Right? And, and then at that time, the Official Multiculturalism Act was passed in Canada. And for me, I, f- I started to feel a shift. In hindsight, I felt a shift. I don't think at the time I realized. Did you, did it take a while, once you arrived in Canada, did it take a while to become accepted? Yes, I think it took a good five years for me to be accepted. And I remember that I was finally accepted in high school. I remember a lot of people hated high school. But for some reason, I loved high school, mm-hmm. especially graduation dances and mm-hmm. dances. Me too. me too. Yeah, and coming, and my parents were very strict. And when I would go to a dance, my father would go and chaperone me. <laughs> I was so embarrassed that all the other friends of mine came by themselves and they, you know, they wanted to dance with boys. And here I have to be chaperoned by my father and he would follow me around. And I, I could not, my friends would date and I wasn't allowed until oh. I was 18. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and little do you know that he actually did you a favor. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, perhaps. But all my friends were always laughing at me. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I remember those days. So you adjusted to Canada. It was, um, you got past, I mean, you lived in the with the oppression in the Soviet Union. You came here, you encountered some of it. But have you noticed after Ukraine became independent in 91, um, you would have had still had family there and uh, you know people that you knew. Did you notice, uh, did it change in Ukraine the way that, similar to how you encountered it changing when you came to Canada? Well, uh, there were a lot of similarities. Of course, not really similarities as in Canada because they were always striving to be more independent in Ukraine. Uh, they were always trying to be, but they were not more like socialist, but not democratic like here. And I did have a lot of family members left there. Again, my grandmother, uh, not my grandmother, well, my grandmother, yes, but also my cousins, my aunts um, on my both sides, on my father's side, on my mother's side. So I had a lot of family there. And then eventually they were able to leave and they went to Israel. Mm-hmm. And some of them went to Israel and some of them were able to leave freely to United States. So back then, some of them were not even uh, Jewish and they were allowed to go to United States. And they didn't have to do the Poland, Italy, mm-hmm. like I did, mm-hmm. like my family did. They went straight to United States. So again, that gives a little bit more freedom to move around. And when they did move around, left mm-hmm. Ukraine, they didn't have to give up their passport. Not like they took our passport and they made us refugees. 
But for them, for my relatives, no, they were not refugees. They were able to leave freely the country. So that's the difference that I find in 90s and in 70s. Mm-hmm. There was less persecution. Uh, people didn't have to wear uniforms in schools, and people were a little bit more freer. And it, it didn't really matter whether you were Jewish or not Jewish. Of course, there were instances that they were a little bit prejudiced and discriminative, but it wasn't as bad as 60s and 70s. Yeah, yeah. Well, it takes it takes a while for attitudes to change, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. So now, uh, fast forward to today. Then, um, do you see a step back in time with what's going on with with this horrible war in Ukraine, this sudden this sudden attack uh, on civilians by the Russian military? Yeah. Yes, it's just horrible what's going on there right now. So I have an aunt. Uh, she's eighty three years old. And uh, I desperately tried to get her out because we, she lives in Kiev and we didn't know how to get her out. At first, my cousin went, tried to get her out and he was not successful. Again, it's a very dangerous time right now, especially four weeks ago when, you know, when uh, the war started. And uh, it, first of all, it's just there's lots of mines, there's rockets flying over and it, it's just, how awful would you see on the road? I don't even want to say it. It yeah. would be very graphic. Yeah. And but it's, it, that's unspeakable. It's just, yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, Maripol is completely destroyed. Yeah. And uh, the Southport Lohansk and uh, Lohansk and Donetsk is taken over. You can say that. And uh, they haven't attacked Kiev in three days now, based on what my aunt's been saying. And uh, well, hopefully there won't be any attacks on Kiev. Uh, we'll see. So my aunt was saying that there is no heat. She lives in an apartment building with no heat. Oh. A lot of apartment buildings don't have windows. Oh. Uh, so you can just imagine living in an apartment building with no windows, no heat. It's freezing and their little children. It's just devastating. Um, thankfully, my aunt does have windows, but there's no heat. And from time to time, she has uh, hot water, but not all the time. And um, the toilet water doesn't always work. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It also depends. And uh, and it's very dangerous to go outside to get groceries. Groceries, the inventory is not as much. And, uh, but it's very dangerous to cross the street because of mines. There are planted mines, mines. on the road. And, uh, yeah, whenever they go out, it's not to go for a walk. It's just to go for, to get groceries and hurry back. Oh. Yeah, it's very devastating. And nobody expected this to happen in 2022. No kidding. When did you start writing your memoir? I wrote my memoir last year, and something was going through me, and I felt I needed to write this memoir because it was so important to me. And I felt I was always traumatized by the fact how it was uh, handled. Uh, I think the reason I wrote this story is because last year my father passed. And um, my mother passed many years before. And I think because my, my father's passing, somehow it's made me write my story and my memories of mm-hmm. what I remember, how I remember. Mm-hmm. And it's just something in me and my heart starts to pour on paper. Mm-hmm. And I needed to get this story out there for some reason. It's just something propelled me to do, to make, to start writing. Mm-hmm. And, and once I started to write, I couldn't finish. I couldn't mm-hmm. put my pen down until I stopped. It, it felt so important to get my story out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you see what happens now. And I, I don't imagine that you thought that this would ever happen when you started writing the book. Yes, yes. It, it, sometimes it feels like one step forward, two steps back. Yeah. So you've got, um, you have family that you're trying to get out of Ukraine now, and they're, they're following, ironically, the, the same 
route that you followed, they have to go to Poland now and other parts of Europe before they come to Canada. That's correct. They have to go to Poland. But from Poland, I would pick them up and bring them to Canada or to England or wherever they want to go. But they don't have to do this step to Italy, of course. So I can just pick them up from Poland. Unfortunately, they were crying for me to come to Ukraine to pick them up there because, again, my aunt is elderly and she can't walk far. And there's nobody from our relatives can actually take her and bring her to Poland. So I'm constantly waiting when it's safe for me to go there and get her out. So you're on pins and needles every day, still still traumatized. I'm so sorry. sorry to hear that. And so many others, though, in the same situation. Uh, I mean, there have been thousands of civilians that have been have been killed, thousands of families broken up, and um, people going to the front and being killed there, so families that are fatherless and motherless, and many orphans as well. So tell us about the, the organization that you're with in Ottawa. As we've heard that there's been a lot of funds going to organizations like, for example, the Red Cross, but it's not actually getting to the, uh, the people in need. They're not, it's not going where it's supposed to go. Who are you with and how are you doing the work to help refugees? Yes, I'm with the Jewish Federation of Canada. And what I'm helping is with those who are coming or who came already who managed to get out. Um, what I'm doing is for the organization is I'm hosting my house for them to come and stay with me for a certain amount of time. Don't know until they more settle. Mm-hmm. I'm helping them to enroll in school, find jobs, try to teach them how to settle in into Canada or Ottawa, because it would be a total shock. They're coming into this country not knowing the language. Mm -hmm. Hopefully they will know the language, but a lot of people won't know the language. So um, there's a lot in interpretation that I will be doing, and I have been doing in terms of um, getting their kids enrolled in school, getting them enrolled in English classes, helping them with groceries, you know, just teaching them English, and uh, anything else I can, I can help. I help um, other Jewish Federation okay. in Ottawa. So for listeners that are in other parts, I guess in Ottawa, they can contact the uh, Jewish Federation and, um, and get involved and open up their homes and, and help refugees get settled in. Yes, yes. And there's also other communities. There's a uh, there's Ukrainian community. They're also doing something to help the refugees. And um, they call them, they actually call them temporary residents to come when they're coming into Ottawa or to Canada. And there would be a lot of Ukrainian communities that would know what to do and how to help and Mm-hmm. advice, uh, what they need, and if people want to host them, and that would help a lot, or um, bring things to their homes, wherever they are, or help them with the language, help them with the children, or any help they can give would be very appreciated. Okay, so just so contact a synagogue or a church in Ukrainian community. Yeah, and uh, of course there are there are churches all across Canada that are getting involved. So for uh, practical though, so once you do con- uh, contact an organization and you say, okay, I'd like to get involved, what should people do? How should they receive these people? How should they treat people? What do you have any advice so that you know so that we don't end up repeating the mistakes of the past? You know, don't become like the KGB, right? Yes, yes. Well, they have to. People have to be understanding and pathetic what these people have been going through, how they fled uh, from Ukraine from from uh, from so much hostility, aggression, coming to this new country, they didn't, they don't know anything about bringing their children and the state they would be in. I mean, it's just so different for them. And like I said before, lots of them might not even speak English, so they have to be aware of that. 
and aware of, um, but they're still able to talk to them. I mean, they can talk through the hands, through the hand gestures. Sure. And they can try to teach them. They can educate them. They can open their homes to them. They can give them food. Um, there Again, there's so many different societies that would probably interested in helping mm-hmm. and but be very empathetic to them on what they have gone through and what they're going to be going through in the, in the next couple of years uh, when they're be settling here yeah it yeah. will be very traumatic for the children as well getting uh, parents understand what's going on and what they have to do but what about the children who yeah. don't know what's happening at all they've left their country and they came to this foreign country where they don't know what what they're doing they're scared to go to school they're scared to go to i don't know the stores and they're not used to all this new world so be yeah. patient and be empathetic to their needs yeah. is my advice well i i guess the important thing to remember is they're all they're arriving in, into a, a foreign country into a foreign environment already bringing with them terrible ptsd post-traumatic stress syndrome from what they've for, well, from the disruption, but also the horror yeah, that's, that many of them would have uh, would have witnessed and probably can't even talk about. Yes, no, that's for sure. That is it's, it's very horrible because uh, I didn't want to mention anything, but running away from what uh, my aunt was mentioning is that running and a lot of people running and on the ground you see corpses of, of bodies and all kinds of bodies, uh, men, women, children, and it's just devastating, and it's just terrible to see that. And especially when little children see what's going on, it's just, yeah. you know, it brings tears to my eyes. Sure, sure. Well, Regina, this your book that you wrote, even though it was set several decades ago in a different time, uh, there are many similarities there, and I suppose lessons to be learned for readers uh, in in the world that we live in today. Yes, there are so many similarities from 1970s and 2022. I just can't believe it myself, because back then in 1970s, the KGB didn't like the family or the people. They would also shoot them, kill them, yeah, yeah. or you know, or in other words, they would disappear. And that's what it means when a person disappears or a family disappears. And it seems that that's what's happening right now, too. There were oh, there were just so many stories I won't even mention on the radio that the people, the families would disappear, you know, innocent families. And uh, the government don't really care. And that's, that's what's very uh, traumatic about it. Well, I guess then, yes. listeners, ordinary citizens, we can care for them and hopefully yes. shame the governments and and to, and the uncaring into developing some sympathy and and empathy and lending a helping hand instead of standing by and laughing at other people's misfortune as happened to your your what you were describing to your mom is standing in line and so so these stories are are in your book and people reading them can understand um, hopefully not to do those things in, in our lives and to make themselves better people in helping these refugees. And together we can hopefully make a better world. Yes, yes, that would be very nice. Together we'll make a better world yeah. and all over the world. Um, these people will be running to and hopefully they will be able to resettle and stay I know it's temporary residence, but who knows? It could be longer. Yeah. And uh, hopefully we can make this world a better place. Yeah. So your book is called Rebecca's Journey, Memoir of a Young Girl Fleeing Anti-Semitism. And it's available from all major booksellers, Chapters Indigo, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. And um, so you can order it online or find it in bookstores. Yes, it is absolutely correct. It's in chapters, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Yeah, and uh, uh, hopefully there are they are still in stock. And uh, congratulations again on on the great sales of the book. And that is really a good sign that people are interested in learning about the past. Hopefully, with the intention of not repeating it. 
themselves. So thank you for writing the book. Thank you for your time telling us your story and about the work that you're doing and uh, and putting out that call for, for people to get involved as well. Thank you so much, Regina. Well, thank you so much for having me on your show. Okay. And if you don't mind, I'll think of you as Rivka. That's a beautiful name. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this interview with author Regina Gershman and found her story as fascinating and inspiring as I did. If you missed part one of the interview, check the podcast of last week's show. Stay tuned for Myra's review of Regina's book in the near future. Meanwhile, if you'd like a copy of Rebecca's Journey, Memoir of a Young Girl Fleeing Antisemitism, it's available from all major bookstores and online. I'm Pavlina, producer and host of Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, Shalom. Join us again soon for another episode of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage here on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. And that was Boris Sihon from Mission BC and a traditional Ukrainian folk song, Oi Harna Yase Harna, I am a dark-eyed beauty, and he will be performing with Vasil Popajuk at the Children's Benefit Concert at the Orpheum Theatre in Vancouver on Tuesday, May 17th. And our proverb of the week translates as freedom is built on unity. And that brings us to the end of another edition of Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver. Just a reminder that the Nanaimo edition of Nash Holos can be heard in the Vancouver listening area on CHLY 101.7 FM, Wednesdays at 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. with host Oksana Pobarezhnik. If you miss the on-air or live stream broadcast of the show, the podcast link is available at www.nashholos.com.
Well, our time is about up, so to take us to the end of the program, Vizel Popadjuk with Late Night Jam. I'm Pavlina on behalf of all of us here at Nosh Holos and AM 1320. Thanks for listening and Dobranich! <laughs> Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.